Healthcare Now, paid for by Integrated Physician Network. This program is recorded to air at this time. Healthcare premiums through the roof. So much to think about when it comes to healthcare. Who do you talk to? Where do you go next? Well, we've got your answer to navigating the healthcare world. Welcome to Healthcare Now with host Mark Chea, Larry Jones, and from Orlando Medical News, John Kelly. And now let's head into the Healthcare Now studios. Good morning and welcome to Healthcare Now. This is the show where we talk about healthcare and how it affects you. I am Dr. Mark, local pediatric surgeon. I'm joined here with my co-host, Larry Jones. Good morning. And I've also got John Kelly with the Orlando Medical News, our producer. Good morning, guys. Well, welcome, guys. Good to see you all. Good to see you this morning. Let's do uh, let's do our usual ones. Jump in and talk a little bit about the vaccines. Right. I saw in the news yesterday that half of Americans have had at least one vaccine shot. Pretty good. Pretty good. And I know last week we talked a little bit about the Johnson & Johnson holdout. So that's still right. still going on. Yeah. There's still information there. But I'm also yeah. hearing there's lots of vaccines available. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that, Dr. Mark, because when I looked into, well, how many Johnson & Johnson vaccines does it really represent? Right. It's only 7% yeah, of exactly. all the vaccinations that have been given to date. Right. So Pfizer and uh, Moderna. Moderna feel like they can offset those. Right. If we don't come back with the Johnson and Johnson, well, I think shot. you know a lot of it is the logistics and delivery of the vaccine, and I think that all the states, all the counties, all the delivery systems have gotten a lot better. Um, the waste is down, right? And so I think they're going to get better about using what we have, and just keep our fingers crossed that we don't hit other abundance of caution. Yeah. Well, I think rocks. the uh, the J and J vaccine was popular because it was one shot, sure, one and done. Right, right. And that way you don't have to wait three weeks or four weeks to go back and get your second vaccine. You know, it's funny. I talked to people uh, in, in many walks of life, and a lot of them were waiting for that. They, they had right. the opportunity to get the other vaccines, right. and they wanted the one and done. And mm-hmm. even when the numbers, the original numbers on the Johnson & Johnson weren't as impressive, although yeah. the follow-up numbers were, right? right? So uh, so it's going to be interesting, um, you know, how that all pans yeah. out, but... But I, yeah. I appreciate that that there is caution. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't. I think we've learned too many times that we can't sit here and go, "Oh, it's nothing," and you know, just move on. But it, it shows respect for the for the consumers um, that right. that everybody everybody's worried about this anyway. Yeah. Well, you know, we talked on the show last week about with the J and J pause. We felt that people that were looking for a reason not to get the right. shot would use that as a reason to say, see, I told you I didn't want to get this shot. And, and we are seeing and, that. And that yep. has actually been in the news yep. since our show last week. Yep, yep. Yeah, they got it from yep. us, of course. But but, uh, <laughs> right. but no, there's still a large segment of the population for different reasons that uh, either are hesitant or just mm-hmm. flat out going to refuse to get the shot. We had a caller called in last week that uh, John was telling us, our producer, and she said, I am absolutely not going to get the vaccine. Yep. It, it hurt my immune system. And I'm healthy, and I'm strong, and I'm going to stay that way. You know, what's, what's <laughs> funny, you're talking about the immune system. It's sort of talking out of both sides of the mouth. We'll have exactly. one person who said, like, oh, well, you know, I had a reaction to the vaccine. Well, that means you've got a strong immune system. You had a big immune response. Right. Well, you know, I, I feel like I've got a pretty uh, intact immune system, and I didn't have any side effects. So, right. So I think I as well. It's, yeah. it's all a little bit of yeah. politicking around the vaccine. But, but I do, we, we encourage all of our listeners to talk to their physicians. We respect your opinions, but... We need to get the population yeah. vaccinated. And one of the topics that we've touched on, but not, I don't think we've talked about it live, mm-hmm. is the fact that even once we have herd immunity here in the United 70%, States. 70%. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. So even once we're there, we're open borders. 
Exactly. So if we don't vaccinate the world, and I say we right. because we're talking about the U.S., and this is going to fill exactly. into some of our discussions later on, med, on meds. On pharma, yeah. But if we don't make sure that happens, and the other countries with, with the abilities don't make sure that happens, we're not going to get out of the, the recurrences, right? Right. So we really need to keep that. We've, got, we've come a, a long way. I mean, what's been done with that vaccine, it's, it's a landmark opportunity that's never been done before. But we still have a long way to go. Dr. Mark, you see many different articles out there. I saw an article last week that it estimated, and I think it was a Kiplinger survey, mm-hmm. that 40% of Americans are actually skeptical about getting the vaccine. 40% sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. What do yeah. you think of that? Well, I mean, there's a lot of history to it. I mean, it's, first of all, just vaccines yeah. in general. And we talk about vaccines mm-hmm. with kids and links to and other diseases. a lot diseases. of that was ethnic as well. Well, then that's that's another yeah, so that's right, another piece right. of it when they mm-hmm. when they talk about you know there there aren't there's not involvement of ne- ethnic groups in the studies so right. how do we know it doesn't affect these folks differently right. and there's a history of of the government and other groups testing on et- right. ethnic groups and then if your grandma told you you know don't trust this process you're not going to mm-hmm. trust the process even if your doctor that you really respect says no you'll be okay so I mean you have to take all those things into right. consideration uh, I. If I was to say that we're doing a good or bad job addressing those issues, I don't know how you address the issues. I think it's it's a one. Well, one, you on you one had kind mentioned uh, in one of our previous shows when we were opening talking about vaccines that uh, you had seen many of your healthcare colleagues, yeah. not only physicians but nurses and all the support staff, indicate they weren't going to get the shot. Right, and yeah. I don't think that does. No, sets well no. for us trying to meet our goals. Do as I say, don't do as I do. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Now, I think you know, what it was surprising because one of the one of the things that occurred after that first round of of shots got started mm-hmm. was all of a sudden it was kind of easy to get get a vaccine. Mm-hmm. And the reason that was is they had planned for all these healthcare workers in the different hospital systems to get the vaccine and when 10, 20, 30% started to say, I'm going to hold off. They had this vaccine that needed to be delivered. So that hasn't changed a great deal. It's changed a little bit. I mean, the change is really now it's open to anyone at any age up until I believe 16 and up. 16 and up right now. 16 16 and and up. up. So anyone can get the vaccine now. Yep. And and I will tell you that I've been hearing from people. And of course, I live in Seminole County. You live in Orange County. Right. But I've seen that there is very little wait time. Yeah, no, people are getting in and, and out. And getting these vaccines yeah, yeah. now as well, which now, is a good thing. The, now, the delivery system has definitely come a long way, right. and that's why we've got half of the half the population vaccinated. So. Right. Well, I tell you, we've, uh, we've, we were going to talk a second about the vaccines, but we it's it's really a hot topic. And, and, and every it week is. we're going to come back and talk a little bit about it. Right. So, but let's, let's move on. I, I think that we've uh, prepped the chance to talk about an article that appeared in the Orlando Sentinel, or an ad, rather, not yes, an article, an ad. last week. So I'm going to let you uh, intro okay, that, because sure. it's really something that the listeners are, are going to want Absolutely. to know about. And, you know, we talk about the truth about U.S. health care, and I think uh, we don't want to get political here, and, and we don't want to take sides, but we want to talk about the facts. Absolutely. And last Sunday, not this past Sunday, but the week b- before, and on Monday, there was a full-page ad in the Orlando Sentinel, and it started off, Biomedical innovation is ending the pandemic and rebuilding our economy. So why are we trying to stifle it? If government price setting on medicines, H.R. Bill number three, had been enacted, a million American jobs would have been lost and 90% fewer new medications would have entered the American uh, drug, drug market. 
Now, now, who paid for that ad, do you think? Big Pharma. Uh, Big Pharma, Big okay, Pharma. yeah. And the ad was basically recommending to people to call their legislature right, right. and tell them don't vote for this right. drug pricing control. So let, let's simplify this a yeah. little bit. So so what this bill is doing is it's reinvolving the government's ability to have input on what drugs cost, how they're produced. Exactly. And you know, there's a there's a very very rich history of this in the United States and a, a good reason for trying it trying to curtail drug dollars. pricing legislatively. Right. I mean, we've right. talked about right. this since day 1. We have. You know, when we talk about the the incredible price of healthcare, we've talked about how so much of it is is in pharma. And we're going to talk, you know, we're going to yeah. sort of just go over a bit level in our next segment on, right. uh, tonight or today rather we're going to we're going to talk more about specific numbers and they're going to blow right. you away. I right. mean, it's just incredible. We are. But but I will say this movement is a bipartisan movement. It it's, is. It's been in and in being Republican presidents yeah. by the major Drug American companies. Pharmaceutical right, Association. Right. But if you, we'll talk about how you know how President Trump had one angle and how President yes. Biden has a yes. number, yes. but they're not all that different in many right. ways. But it's right. really going to be important to see how this goes out. And as you said, they get this full page ad. Yep. So you're going to call two days senators. in a row. Yep. 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 So and and let me uh, kind of just throw this out as we're going to break. Is reining in drug prices in this country a good idea or a bad idea? It's the idea. It is exactly. the idea. It's the only way. I mean, that that's a quick fix, and right. not without consequence. Exactly. But but the consequence isn't going to affect And let healthcare. me give you four reasons why sure. it's a good idea. Okay. Uh, drug pricing hurts everyone who's struggling to buy the meds they need. Right. That's number one. It focuses low-income families and seniors forces them to choose meds over maybe even living necessities. Yeah. No, yeah, are they going to get their med yeah. or they going to get their meals or their clothes? Sure. And when medications are not taken, it promotes chronic care to acute care and resulting in even higher health care costs. Absolutely. I think that's the most important one. And then of number four, and we're going to talk about this when we come back from the break, profits in the pharma industry are absurd. They are. And and I, I want to jump back to the the idea that if you don't take care of yourself and don't take your meds, then your treatment becomes reactive, not proactive. That's exactly right. And reactive treatment means visits to the emergency room. It means starting from scratch. Your doctor's not taking care of things. So so you may get tests that you don't need. But at the bottom line is tremendous expenditure that can be completely avoided when you're proactive, not reactive. So. So that that's a huge one. That's a huge one. And again, you got to understand, Big Pharma has been highly reviled as one of the greatest achievements in medical history in coming up with this vaccine in such a right. short period of time. And, and it is. And so that, well, it's a wonderful thing. Well, it, and Big yeah. Let's let's go back yeah. to the many, many, many drugs over yeah. the over the uh, decades that have changed lives. There's no question about it. But I'll kind of lead us yep. into the next segment by saying, healthcare is so personal that there have been many governmental restrictions to make sure people aren't taken advantage of. Right. Here's an area where that has been completely ignored. John, we're going to break. Can you take us there? It's time for our question of the, of the week from last week. Do you intend to uh, receive the uh, vaccine? Our audience was split 50-50, um, and we really want to encourage any anti-vaxxers out there to really consult with their physician. If you have questions... For comments, please call us at 407-701-7424, or if you're shy, email healthcarenow 
at orlandomedicalnews.com. We'll be right back. Dr. Thomas, please report to the ICU. In every healthcare facility, there's an invasion underway. Pathogens are entering, colonizing, and infecting patients and caregivers, causing extended stays and readmissions. Many pathogens come in on shoe soles, grabbing a free ride into patient care areas and other sensitive locations. That's why there's Healthy Soul, a UVC-powered medical technology that in just eight seconds kills up to 99.99% of the dangerous pathogens on the soles of footwear. The same effective UVC technology that decontaminates whole rooms can now target shoe soles. Independent clinical studies and lab testing prove it. Add Healthy Soul to your infection prevention practices today. Stop pathogen spread in its tracks. Healthy Soul. Visit Healthy Soul. That's healthy, S-O-L-E dot com today. Smart prevention, fewer pathogens, Healthy Soul. Are improved patient outcomes valuable? Improved chronic care management, remote patient monitoring, medication management, all without increasing practice workload or expenses. rx to live provides a turnkey solution. Interested? rx or call John Fogarty, 609-605-6859. That's 609-605-6859. It's not really a long surgery. The recovery time was practically nothing. Pretty much a piece of cake. I look at my scar as my battle scar. You know, I won the battle. Went from death's door to I'm me again. I am enjoying life. I can count on tomorrow. Barostim is an option for heart failure patients with reduced ejection fraction. To learn more about the therapy and important safety information, please visit www.cvrx.com. Welcome to Healthcare Now. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. Let's pick it up uh, kind of where we left off. I just want to throw out a little discussion about the Affordable Care Act. In the six years since it's been enacted, we have seen healthcare spending per capita increase faster than it did in the six years prior. Exactly. Okay? So exactly. That, that kind of gives us, that lays out this, this idea. And, you know, and, Dr. Mark, the mm-hmm. other thing on that. If you recall, in the last three years in a row, there's been a 25% increase on the premiums in the Affordable Care Act. Right, and that, and that sort of made people shy away from working with the marketplace right. when they got there and saw what the numbers were. Now we're picking that back up. That's right. So uh, If you President don't Biden's have the subsidy in, Amer- in the Affordable oh, right. Care Act, it's going to cost you pretty much the same thing it cost you in an open market. Oh, absolutely. Not, not, mm-hmm. not just pretty much. It actually affected the open market and how some of the insurance companies pared down what they were offering. And if you talk to Americans, three-quarter of Americans say that the quality of health care they're getting it just isn't worth the price they're paying. Now, you could say that about a lot of things, but people think about their health care a lot. They get a lot of news about their health care. They talk about it a lot. Larry, you've got a couple of examples that ties into this conversation. I do. Uh, you know, the U.S. had budgeted $178 billion in this last aid package for health care providers. Mm-hmm. And even some of the profitable hospital systems got some of this money. Right. And after receiving $454 million in a Texas hospital, one of the biggest nonprofit hospitals in Texas, they accumulated a surplus of $815 million, $20 million more than it had 
assumed accumulated in 2019. To, in 2019. Yeah. And so, again, are we using this money in the in the proper way? And then here's another one up in New York. You know, we if you recall, when we started doing these vaccines, it's free. Right. The government is paying for these vaccines. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a, a large hospital system in New York that said, come get your vaccine. And what they were doing is billing the vaccine as an ER visit and charging an average of three thousand yep. dollars to the insurance company over and above what they would get for the shot itself. Right. I mean, we were seeing that with some of the testing sites too. Yeah. You know, where they were right. coming in and you were thinking you were getting this free yeah. test, but then you were getting billed. But that's just wrong. No, it is wrong. It's just wrong. It is wrong. No, I mean that's that is taking advantage of people at their lowest most. It's milk and, time. The, and yep. milk in the system. Yep. And then I've got one other example. If you recall before. We had mentioned that uh, patient that was in the hospital 30 days with COVID. Right, right. Had gotten a $1.2 million Uh bill. Well, there's another patient that got a $1.3 million bill, and the co-pays were (laughs) $42,480. And when she got home, she asked her husband, how are we going to pay for this? And jokingly, they said, a dollar a month for the rest of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to live a very long time if they can make that payment that's off. Right. That's, that's going to be something. But yeah. $42,480 in copays, no. Dr. Mark, that's absurd. No, and, and last week, what do, what do we say? The first thing they need to do? Call Ask, for a discount. Ask for a discount. <laughs> that start, would be a very there. large that would be a discount. discount. <laughs> well, you, you know, you don't know unless you ask. That's right. That's well, right. speaking about asking, um, let's ask a few questions about our our drug prices in the in the U.S. We said that in the opening statement. We're going to talk a little bit more about it. And it might be, you know, not be politically correct to say it, but when we look at the majority of the world's drug developments, it's no surprise that the innovation has been underwritten by the United States through high drug prices. For the whole world. The whole world. That's right. Absolutely. And, right. Yep. And, you know, and this is something that's been very well known. And, again, a bipartisan concern and discussion is that it's it's not just it didn't just happen it's part of the plan that's right. how that's how research and pharma right. says okay we have a drug this is what it's going to cost to create this drug to develop it and deliver it and we need to make mm-hmm. all the money back in the united in the united states right for well, the let whole me, world let me throw usage. out a number here dr mm-hmm. market you're talking about that is really right at what you're saying us pharma on research and development in 1980, spent two billion dollars. Two billion. Today they spend 65 billion dollars. Right. And again, I'm not indicting the pharma industry for hiding behind their R and D costs to keep their pricing up because that's what they do. Right. They spend a huge amount of money, and it's very helpful. However, up to 78 percent of the R&D cost worldwide is funded off a of U.S. drug price. Right, by, by plan. By plan. By plan. Yeah. In fact, they're yeah. not going to develop the drug if they can't make that math work here in the U.S. Well, that's exactly what they say. Right. If it doesn't, they, they, when they do drug pricing for new drugs, they test it out in the U.S., yep. and if the U.S. can't fund it, they it's don't do happening. it. It's not, it's happening. not happening. It's not happening. Well, let's, let's talk about the comparison of a drug... The same drug, rather, yeah. that if you have to purchase it here in the United States versus in a... We can start naming other countries. Sure. On average, uh, in the European countries, in the UK, uh, we pay three times as much for drugs as they do. Right. In Brazil, we pay six times as much. And the interesting part in India, 
we pay 16 times more right. than they do for drugs. And I was on the phone with some pe- some of our data people from India the other day, uh-huh. and I asked them, Dr. Morali, I asked him on the phone, why are your drug pricing so low? And his comment was, the federal government subsidizes everything. Right, and they do, but yep. it's, it's interesting because when we hear those numbers, or if, say, I have a patient come in and they're, they're medications that are either unavailable in the U.S. or a lot, a lot cheaper if they can get them from Canada... Right. Well, why is that, Dr. Mark? Why is that happening? Yeah. Well, the story that we've always been told is, well, you know what? It costs so much money for these companies to get the research done and get approval in the U.S. because okay. the FDA charges so much. It's just uh, it's just such a process. It what is. they leave out is that money is for development of the world usage. Yes, and I'm going right. to talk about that. You know, it, it, There's no question less developed nations are greatly benefiting from the innovations from U.S. pharma. And well, we pay for it all. Right, yeah. But let, I want to step back. That mm-hmm. That is important. Just like I said right. earlier, if we're for the vaccines, we have to make sure the world is vaccinated. Right. We should also make sure the world can get these drugs that are manufactured here, and they can do it. We can still pay for it. But right. the cost, the, the, what, the cost, the way it's working out per capita on the individuals who have to pay for these drugs in the U.S. is ridiculous, and it can be cut without stopping the R&D. Right. And right. speaking of the R&D, there were six pharma companies that represent almost two-thirds of the entire research and development being undertaken. Right. And it's GlaxoSmithKline, Novartis, J&J, Merck, Takeda Pharmaceutical, and Sanofi. Right. They represent about 65% of all the research and development done in the world. And Novartis today. and Sanofi are sort of part part and parcel of the same uh, corporation now. Correct. Yep. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, so that so that says a lot, and you know the location. These are not all U.S. based yeah. companies either, right. but the the research and development is tied to what kind of profit they can make in the U.S. to make sure right. it goes forward. But so, the, but Dr. Mark, let me throw one thing out here. But half of the R and D development is towards therapeutics that target diseases that are not common in America right. third, either. Third world country, third diseases, world country yeah. like malaria, HIV, AIDS. Now we do have a little of that. Mm-hmm. Tuberculosis. So malaria, tuberculosis, Chagas and disease. Chagas disease yeah. and leishmaniasis, yep. which is another yep. parasite yeah. disease. Le- leishmaniasis is yeah. another, like Chagas and leishmaniasis. We see that in all of our tests, but not in any of our patients here in the U.S. Right. So, I mean, right. it is it is interesting. And then they're not looking at drugs. Like there's not a lot of research being poured into things like Parkinson's, Alzheimer's. You know, there are a lot of there's a lot of cancer research, right. but but is right. is there not huge money in in no cancer question. drugs? No question. Back in 2018, the Trump administration issued a mandate called America's American Patients First: The Blueprint to Lower Drug Pricing and Even Out-of-Pocket Costs right. for Drugs. Donald Trump actually made this statement: "One of my greatest priorities is to reduce the price of prescription drugs. In many other countries, these drugs cost." far less than what we pay in the United States. That is why I've directed my administration to make fixing the injustice of high drug prices one of my top prior priorities. And how did that go? Uh, not very well. Not very well. <laughs> right, right. And, and, and it should have gone well. You would say, well, it must not have been a bipartisan issue. You know, so it's yeah. not, it's not the, uh, the place there. And so now uh, Trump's, Trump's recommendation was called favored nation, if you recall. Uh, he was going to uh, use that as saying that we're not going to pay any higher than anyone else. Right. And so that didn't go over very well. But then in 2019, uh, there was a, uh, it was called the Nancy Pelosi Lower Drug Cost 
Now Act, which passed. And basically that said that it gives uh, the FDA the authority to negotiate between 25 and 250 drug prices for pharmaceutical companies for the U.S. Right. And it didn't encompass some of the big players, no, right? It, 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 really, it really skipped out on some of the drugs that were actually... Right. So, so again, it is a bipartisan-supported issue, Correct. but how it's being supported is, is not, quite, not quite the same. It's not right. really following. Certainly not a free market economy. No, no, no. no. That's well, true. Well, you know, it's funny because we've let parts of this go so far beyond in the free market economy. I don't know, you know when, when we can pull it back, right? It's, it's just not making sense. Right. Well, now, in the Biden plan... He wants to create a review board right. to evaluate and recommend sensible pricing based on the average price everywhere, permitting the importation of FDA-certified prescription drugs from abroad and connecting generic prices to inflation. What I find here, Dr. Mark, is the Where top 50 it? drugs uh-huh. in America have no competition, no generic equivalent, right. and are only uh, manufactured by one Manufacturer. Right. And and when they calculate what amount of money they're going to make on a particular drug, they're assuming that that's actually going to happen, that there's actually going to be competition. The reality exactly. is when it doesn't occur, that just creates pure profit. Right. So that's one of those areas where we can tap into and say, because you know, the, the drug companies are making enormous, enormous dollars. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that, because if you had invested in Biopharma in 1995, $10,000, Guess what that would be worth today? I'm not gonna. I'm not even gonna. I mean, this, that's like a Tesla question. Twelve million dollars. <laughs> Twelve million dollars. Yep. Yep. An- another uh, opportunity lost. John, exactly. take us to the break. Let's close out this segment with our question for this week. Have you been surprised by an ambulance expense associated with a recent hospitalization? Please share your uh, answer at four zero seven seven zero one seven four two four. Or email healthcarenow at orlandomedicalnews.com, and we'll be right back. It's not really a long surgery. The recovery time was practically nothing, pretty much a piece of cake. I look at my scar as my battle scar, you know. I won the battle. Went from death's door to I'm me again. I am enjoying life. I can count on tomorrow. Barostim is an option for heart failure patients with reduced ejection fraction. To learn more about the therapy and important safety information, please visit www.cvrx.com. Angela Sells Orlando, also known as your realtor on call. Central Florida's relocation and luxury real estate specialist. Looking for concierge services? Relocating to Central Florida? Buying? Selling? Buying and selling? Helping to maximize your return and fighting for the best deal. Preferred lenders available. Specializing in relocation for physicians, healthcare professionals, and high net worth individuals. Assisting with location placement, school tours, banking and financial connections, introductions to athletic and social memberships. Testimonials and references available upon request. Reach me 24-7. Text 407-616-3513 or email Angela at AngelaSellsOrlando.com. And always remember to connect on LinkedIn. Be healthy, be safe, and reopen this great nation's economy. 
In just eight seconds, Healthy Soul UVC kills up to 99.99% of the pathogens on the soles of shoes. HealthySole.com. Smart prevention, fewer pathogens, Healthy Soul. Looking for affordable or professional video, differentiating your business from competitors, brand, improving online presence about me or professional videos. SakataFilms.com, 407-860-3035. Well, we've got your answer to navigating the healthcare world. Welcome to Healthcare Now. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. And we've got a frequent flyer on the show today, John Fogarty with RxToLive.com. And joining John this morning is Derek Esty, the Chief Operating Officer of ThoughtSwift, an RxToLive partner providing physicians a turnkey solution to complete 60% of annual wellness visits. Derek, please share with our physicians in this audience what ThoughtSwift is and the importance of completing 60% of their annual wellness visits. Well, first off, thank you for having me on today. I'm thrilled to have an opportunity to talk about annual wellness visits and the challenges that providers have with them. Um, part of the reason that ThoughtSwift is in business for the past uh, seven years is to be able to help providers complete this annual mandate that, that uh, the Affordable Care Act passed about five years ago. Um, Annual wellness visits are really important for providers to be able to complete because it helps with their MIPS and macro requirements. Um, as the Affordable Care Act passed, it not only changed the way that providers practice medicine, but also changed how they got paid. And more and more providers are seeing negative reimbursement from their all their Medicare uh, payments because of a failure to pass the MIPS and macro requirements. And as you mentioned, 60%. Medicare has a requirement that 60% of all the Medicare patients are supposed to receive certain preventative health and wellness initiatives. And unfortunately, a lot of the providers are either A, unaware of them, or B, unable to complete them. Um, Part of the problem for annual wellness visits is that it's one of the simplest ways for providers to complete these measures and to keep that money in their their practice. Um, But it's also one of the best ways to give patient care and frankly, it's also the single most profitable visit a Medicare patient can, a provider can have with a Medicare patient. Hey, Derek, I'm going to jump in. It's, it's Dr. Mark. So I know you're familiar with our group, IPN, and mm-hmm. IPN was really created to uh, work with value-based health care. And uh, right. we've talked a little bit with our audience in, in previous discussions about value-based health care. And basically, in short, the idea that, you know, we're the insurance companies are putting out a certain amount of, of cash to uh, make sure everyone everyone is going to be able to uh, get get their health care delivered. And if you can deliver to that system at a lower price, then you're going to share some of that profit. So, um, you know, that's that's the way that's going to play out, right? And so I, I hear what you're saying as to fitting into that extremely well and would ask, how does ThoughtSwift help the physician complete that annual wellness visit? Well, can I start with a little basics on what an annual wellness visit is? A lot of people get confused, especially a lot in the medical community. Uh, Most providers for generations have been doing physicals, and they think that's what an annual wellness visit is. But Medicare, about seven years ago, will not pay if you have a traditional Medicare patient for a physical anymore. The only thing they'll pay for is an annual wellness visit. Now, the Advantage plans have been paying for physicals for years and will continue to do so. 
But if you have a traditional Medicare patient, there is no reimbursement for a physical. The reason why AWVs are so difficult for most providers to do is because they're outside their skill set. Doctors are really good at taking care of a patient, coming up with a problem, solving that problem, and moving the patient on. Yeah, As you, you know, guys well know, most patients, most providers right. have about seven minutes that they spend with the patient. They have they schedule four patients an hour, and most of that time is charting. Right. Yeah, yeah Derek, so for them to be able to complete an AWV, it's very difficult. Yeah, Derek, you're uh, you're talking about something that's got so many layers when it comes to value based care, and and I think the first one is the way that patients are attributed to these value-based contracts that we do. We have two major uh, commercial and five Medicare contracts within the umbrella of IPN here in, in the Orlando area. And if they haven't had an annual wellness visit within the last 12 months, they are dropped off the grid of the attributed patients within our system, and we get no Absolutely. credit for those at all. And so that's Absolutely. that's why it's so important that this annual wellness visit. And the second thing is that the plans, particularly the MA plans, the Medicare Advantage plans, they like for these patients when they come on board to have an annual wellness visit within 60 days of when they've come on board. Absolutely. Uh, it affects the provider financially all over the place. Yep. One is those APM or advanced payment methods that are being out there. And as our industry goes from fee for fee to uh, fee from service, to an advanced uh, payment model, you need to have an annual wellness visit to, to be done to be able to qualify for that patient for the advanced payment method. In other words, if you don't have a registered a patient, and the one of the only and the easiest way to get a uh, patient attributed to that provider is to perform an annual wellness visit. Exactly right. If you do not have that, you will not get that advanced the APM payment for that attributed life, right. which is a lot of money for the average practice. Yeah, and it's in an even more detail than that is you've got that visit, but the documentation, which I believe is, is what you're all about, that documentation has to be correct in order for the level of care reporting to be accurate. And with no names being thrown out there, there was a, 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 a explosion on the news just last night where a, a big uh, Medicare provider is being investigated for not putting those numbers in the right order. And I suspect a lot of the defense there is going to be that, well, we just didn't classify the patient correctly. We just assigned it the value of the treatment we gave them. So if they had done that annual wellness visit appropriately and defined what that patient's needs were, that's that's a game changer, right? Correct. I mean, the whole reason the annual wellness visit is designed is to be able to get the patient and the provider talking about that patient's care. Medicare knows that if if they perform an annual wellness visit, it saves them at least 5%, 5.8% on every Medicare patient life. It's a ton of money. Yes. And then the other factor for the providers is completing the AWVs are challenging because they're not good at them. The reason they're not is because it's an informational gathering. Medicare has about about two and a half pages of requirements to complete yes. an annual wellness visit. I'm glad you mentioned that, that Derek, because when we talked about layers... Uh, the plans demand proper coding. And what Dr. Mark was talking about earlier is hierarchical condition categories, HCC codes, that gives them a, a Medicare risk adjustment score for those. And if those aren't coded properly, then not only does the physician lose money, but the health plan even loses money right. if they're not doing it right. And, and if they're not 
coding the other coding it correctly and they're upscaling their charges, then uh, federal investigations occur. So I mean, it's, it's called a rack audit. A rack audit. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. And one of the ways to be successful in completing these audits and having the information is to complete an annual wellness. And for most providers, that's a challenge because they're not good at gathering the data. They're good at treating and screening, but they're not good at taking at finding out all the information they need from the patient. And that's what the annual wellness visit is designed to do. Now, do you provide this service in the physician office or in the home? Uh, we actually can do all kinds of different ways. Fortunately, okay. with one of the things that happened with COVID was the relaxing of telemed laws. Right. Where it used to be 32 years ago, you couldn't do an annual wellness visit unless you were physically in front of a patient. But now you can do this uh, an annual wellness visit completely over the phone or with telemedicine or in the practice office. So you can do whatever works best for the practice and be able to make that transition where they're getting the information they need in a way that works in that particular practice. Tell, tell us a little bit about the nuts and bolts, just so the uh, providers and the patients can see what, what it's physically what's going on here. Sure. An annual wellness visit is, a, is not a physical. As I mentioned before, it's, a, it's an informational gathering. Medicare has a list of requirements they want to find out. Height, weight, uh, age, blood pressure, simple. They want to know all the medications the patients have, their ADLs, their IDLs, their family history, who's living, who's dead, what they died of, what kind of care they need, what areas they need for referrals, and the list goes on. And that's why it's hard for providers to do AWVs successfully because they just don't have the time. Derek and John, are you guys implementing social determinants of health surveys in these uh, annual wellness visits now? Because that seems to be a trend that all the payers are looking for going forward, particularly Medicare. Uh, We have a lot of those components built into the system already so that we provide Mm -hmm. anything from physical activities of daily living all the way to mental status and cognitive impairment um, and all the things in between. When we do an annual wellness visit, either with the provider using our software or do the actual annual wellness visit for them, where we sometimes even put staff into their locations and do the entire procedure turnkey, either way, we're gathering all the data that Medicare is requiring and helping provide all the different services that they need for referrals and outsourcing and producing revenue that day for the practice, right? as well as affecting their APMs. So it's a win-win for everybody involved. So how does the annual wellness visit work with the Rx to Live triple play? So so let me take that question. So uh, Dr. Mark, the annual wellness visit is kind of the beginning of the process. So we get an assessment of the uh, patient, where the patient is at. And, you know, what Daryl's program does is a, a very robust software program. And like you said, there's three or four different ways they can actually provide that. But what it does well is it identifies those, those patients that ought to be in the chronic care management program so that it's a great transition from the annual wellness visit into the chronic care management program. And as you guys are aware you have to have some sort of uh, doctor's appointment or agreement to go do that. Annual wellness is one of those qualifying events that allows you to get into the chronic care management program. And what we're able to do in the chronic care management program is take that output from the annual wellness visit and we can make sure that we're covering those areas that have been identified in the annual wellness visit, whether it be something like tobacco cessation or whether it be uh, monitoring of the blood pressure and making sure that that's being taken care of and being done correctly, or even if it's the medication management to ensure that the 
patients are actually uh, taking the medications that, that we that we prescribe to them or that you prescribe to them and that they're not taking anything over the counter that might be interfering with it. So it's really a dovetail of the uh, other Rx to Live programs that, that work with that. Well, and thank it, you, John and terms, Derek. Um, how can our physicians in this audience reach you? So they can get a hold of me at uh, 609-605-6859, or they can go ahead and email me at jfogarty, F-O-G-A-R-T-Y, at rxtolive.com. Okay, and that phone number again is 609-605-6859. All right, thank you. And I want to remind our audience, please share your comments or your concerns at 407 407- 7017424 or email us healthcarenow at orlandomedicalnews.com we'll be right back it's not really a long surgery the recovery time was practically nothing pretty much a piece of cake i look at my scar as my battle scar you know I won the battle. Went from death's door to I'm me again. I am enjoying life. I can count on tomorrow. Barostim is an option for heart failure patients with reduced ejection fraction. To learn more about the therapy and important safety information, please visit www.cvrx.com. In just eight seconds, Healthy Soul UVC kills up to 99.99% of the pathogens on the soles of shoes. HealthySOLE.com. Smart prevention, fewer pathogens, healthy soul. Are your annual wellness visits 60% completed? Medicare requires 60%. ThoughtSwift provides a turnkey solution, reducing AWVs 5 to 20 minutes. Software generated care plans, providing patient conversations and billing codes, improving macro, MIPS, and HEDIS. Net $125 plus per AWV. Interested? John Fogarty, 609-605-6859, 609-605-6859. Mark Chayot, MD, practicing pediatric surgeon since 1997, working with Central Florida's premier hospital systems and outpatient surgery centers, providing unparalleled patient care and leveraging the latest in medical, technology, and education, accepting all major insurance. 407-228-4774 or visit orlandopediatricsurgery.com. Welcome to Healthcare Now. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. We're going to uh, finish out with a really strong fourth segment today. We're going to jump back into our earlier description and discussion about drug prices. So Larry, 10% of prescription drugs make up the majority of Medicare drug spending. Exactly. And most of them are, as we talked about before the break, branded drugs with no competition and only one manufacturer. You you had a couple. I don't know. I don't want to make you push Mm -hmm. through the notes there. A couple Mm -hmm. of the drugs. Uh, They were were all cancer drugs. Yeah, they were cancer drugs. Yeah, they were all cancer Mm -hmm. drugs. Yeah. So it's kind of amazing Mm because they're not used in such high frequency. But right. the cost, when yeah. it compared to many of the other drugs that are yeah. used in high frequency. Well, of all the thousands of drugs out there, it's estimated that 250 drugs rec- represent over 60% of the entire pharma spending in America. 
that billions and billions and billions, billions of dollars and billions just of in dollars. those 250 drugs. 250 drugs. Yeah. So, and it's not, you've got to believe that the price of, of developing that those 250 drugs can't be tremendously different than many, many, many of the other drugs. Now, some of them right, are just historically, right. they've been there, they, you know, they've been, been on the shelves forever, but, right. well, you know, what's, what's the bottom line here? Right. I mean, let's think about when these major pharma companies sit down and meet in their boardrooms, what's their major concern? Are they thinking about the patient or the profits? Right. You know, it's pretty easy to mix Great it up question, and say, Dr. right, Mark. and, I, you yep. know, we're being, a, we're being appropriately critical here because the profits are so unbelievable, but the pharma industry is one of the largest and most powerful lobbies in the U.S. Correct. Millions and millions of dollars go into legislative campaigns to influence the way legislation is is done around the pharma issues. So are the American people, are they being put first, or is it really, really these companies? We haven't seen so many cures as we've seen drugs that can help with things like cancer, Parkinson's, dementia, Alzheimer's, others, you know, yet... Couldn't we agree up, with you more, Dr. Yeah, Mark. Right? Yeah. And the, and what did, what did we do in a few months? Came up with the virus vaccine in, in to treat a, a worldwide pandemic. In four months. In four months. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I think the, the opportunity abounds. The United States, I've said it many, many times, we absolutely have the best healthcare system in the world. It, it may not be the most frugal, and we're starting to uncover... You know, by the peeling back the onion, right. layer, you know, right. of what what these things are, and and one of them is big pharma. Well, there's been significant advances on all these areas that you talked about: cancer, Parkinson's, dementia, Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. Serious improvement. Yep. But there's not been a cure. Right. Right. And is there a cure out there, Doctor Mark? I think there is. I think so too. I think there is. Yeah. We'll we'll leave it to some other segments to when we start right. to tell you what to uh, yeah. what to. Put your money into now, so ten years later you can have that uh, that Tesla that twelve million jump. dollars. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And again, I want to clarify: we're not indicting the pharmacy industry no. in any way, shape, or form. They serve a massive purpose, right, in and, this country, and it is capitalism. Yes, and we're not indicting right. that system either. That's right. But there is kind of a monopoly feeling to a lot Without of it. Without a doubt. And so I think that that's where we start to get into trouble. And the other piece being that that legislation historically has said yeah. that healthcare doesn't fit that that capitalistic model as right. well and that's why you know we've got the stark regulations sure. they want to make sure certain groups aren't benefiting sure. on other people's woes of illness but that doesn't seem to apply to pharma well if you recall we had a, a caller or listener call in a while back about the $300 a month she was spending in copays right. just for diabetic yep. supplies right in addition to in addition to her, her and, and and her monthly yeah. monthly fees for the yeah. for the coverage. Yeah. Well, Larry, let's let's okay. quick question for Larry. How mm-hmm. many of these pharmaceutical companies are multinational? I would say most of them. Yeah, most of them are. Most of most them are. are international. Yeah. Yeah. So they yeah. they do and and a lot of them, you know, the rules and regulations on distribution of generics change, uh, but yeah, most of them are are multinational and they're or, they're they look they look at the world is their market. But no John, question. I think your your question leads to another comment, and it's why are they selling these drugs in other countries cheaper than they are in the U.S.? You read my mind, Larry. I mean, that's exactly where the issue is. And right. Dr. Mark, you want to speak to that? Well, I mean, that was sort of, uh, in the previous segment, we talked about how it's being justified. Right. I don't know if that's the reason. Well, right? it's being justified we're paying by, for all the R&D. Right, we're paying yeah. for all the yeah. R&D. Yeah. But, but if you take out the profits, is that really the case? 
right? And is it fair to the American consumer? Absolutely not. And patient. No, absolutely. Because and it's it affects yeah. it's it's bringing us down. You know, I'm sure down. on future uh, shows we're going to talk more about oh, this, for Dr. Sure. Mark. No, yeah, we've yeah we've alluded yeah. to this being one of the big players in our our search for yeah. how can we make healthcare yeah. more affordable? How can we improve right. the value of our healthcare dollar? And right. this is absolutely top box. And and we've talked many times about the overall healthcare is approaching 25% of the GDP in America. Right. And a major reason for that is pharmaceutical costs. No, it's a, it's a very big, very yeah. big part. Okay. You know, I think we're going to jump, spend a few minutes talking about a, a few other things. I want you to uh, kind of go over something mm-hmm. we talked about pre-show, the six healthcare-related yeah. proposals in the president's budget. Right. You know, the uh, President Biden has released his tentative budget for 2021-2022, and there were six healthcare-related proposals in that budget. The first one was discretionary funding for HHS. And if you recall, last week we spent quite a bit of time talking mm-hmm. about what HHS's responsibilities are. Right, who their and, officers and who were, the how they yeah. Absolutely. Well, the proposal requests $131 billion in discretionary spending, $25 billion or a 24% increase from funding levels for the prior year. That's for just HHS. Right. And maybe many, much of this is... Is as a result of the pandemic. Right. And again, this is discretionary spending. Discretionary. This is sort of Over above, above and beyond. That's right, 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 right. And the second one was discretionary spending, spending for CMS, which uh, proposed request another $8.7 billion, uh, the, the largest budget increase in nearly 20 years for CMS. Right. Yep. Same, same kind of idea. Again, you know, yep. we've got... You know, a lot of the players aren't necessarily new players in that game. Right. The people are going to decide how that money is spent, and that why, that's why it was so important for us to spend time talking right. about them. But that eight point seven billion uh, a billion isn't necessarily for healthcare; it's for data collection, as no. well as training and hiring more epidemiologists to support our local public health departments. Right. No, that's 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 how they play out the yep. discretionary part because the exactly. the healthcare delivery system that's built into their budget. Exactly. Yep. Yep. And then uh, the third one was strategic national stockpile. The proposed budget plan called for $905 million for the strategic national stockpile, the U.S. Emergency Reserve on Medical Supplies and Equipment Design for use during a, a emergencies like the pandemic. And if you recall, we kind of got caught with our pants down on this pandemic, and now they're going to make sure that doesn't happen again. But did we get caught because of a lack of funding? <laughs> I mean, we had we had in you know the, we had the stockpile, yep. right? I wonder what I wonder where we started with that, but this would yep. certainly part of that is to reinforce and replace. Right. So that right. that makes sense. But right. but I'd like to look deeper into what those actual numbers are. We'll, we'll look at that. Yeah. Well, if you recall, PPP. Yep. Um, you know, masks, gloves, gowns, all that were in short supply. Right. So maybe we did get caught. Oh with yeah. A little oh, lack of oh no question for goods yeah. for goods yeah good. for goods yeah, yeah we were we were getting getting things from wherever we could. And then there's still some of that going on, although it's definitely stabilized. And I think this next one is interesting, that President Biden has requested an initial $6.5 billion for a new research agency called the Advanced Research Projects Agency for Health. This agency would focus on research of diseases such as cancer, diabetes, and Alzheimer's. That's what we just talked about. Yeah, I was going to say, so that that is a piece that has been... I like that one. Yeah, it's been sorely needed, and it's... Not actually, and when we compare, yeah. that's the smallest number you've said so far. Exactly. And and uh, another one that we've had quite a conversation on the show is the budget plan calls for an additional $3.9 billion to curb the opioid crisis. 
right? As well as six hundred and seventy million, an increase of two hundred and sixty-seven million to deal with HIV, right? And you know, the special interest groups are going to have opinions about all these things, and I, we have to leave it to somebody to figure out how these numbers kind of line up. Right. But when we talk about HIV, again, we got to a, right. a really small number once exactly. again, you know. So, so hard to know. Where, I mean, we are. where we're going. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we're, yeah. We're, spend, we're, we're definitely spending more money. Right. And the last one that I also like is he's proposed $97 billion to improve access to health care for veterans. Yes. Which also includes funding for women's health, mental health, suicide prevention, and veterans homeless programs. I can tell you, and, and you know, obviously I'm a, I'm a veteran. We talk about our support exactly. of, of veterans. And, uh, you know, I've had my, uh, my time with the, uh, the VA. Um, and I think that's seen improvements. Um, mm-hmm. I think that uh, the last two presidencies have really pushed to uh, clean up some some problems that were there. Sure, um, it's it's still it's such a large healthcare system. Um, I think there's a lot of other things that you can point at other than just you know cash. Uh, right. It's going to be the right. management of that cash, but I really hope it goes to the uh, the improvement of that system because it was right. it was really in some deep, deep, deep trouble. Right. You know, well, if I recall, ago. one of the mandates from Trump's administration was that veterans were able to go outside the Veterans Administration and get care right. and have it paid for by the VA if they were if unable they to access it, yeah. it within the administration. Within, yeah, within a, yeah. a reasonable amount of time. Right. You know, and I'm I'm going to say one thing as we, we kind of mm-hmm. wrap this up. Okay. So. We're looking at improving the value of our health care dollar. And what this this is not a foolish budget. I'm not, not, not saying that it is. Not I'm saying it's it's putting money out towards important things, but where's the money coming from? John, take us well, out. Let me let me say oh. one more thing before John takes us out too. Okay. You know, you you hit on the absolute issue, Dr. Mark, and all these mandates that Biden wants to do. With a Congress, both House and Senate, that is so close, you can't run the country on reconciliation. No, no, it's going to so be tough. So the, the key is, are these going to pass in a bipartisan way? Stay tuned. Exactly. John? Great conversation today. It's time to recognize our sponsors and advertising partners who make this program possible. This week's sponsors, Nick DiOrio with Healthy Soul Decontamination, www.healthysoul.com, and Kevin Ryan with CVRX, www.cvrx.com. Uh, a huge thanks to our host, Dr. Mark with Pediatric Surgery PA, and Larry with the Integrated Independent Physicians Network. I want to recognize our guest today, John Fogarty with Rx to Live, www.rxtolive.com and Derek Esty with ThoughtSwift. And thank you to our advertising partners, Diana with Cicado Films, www.cicadofilms.com, Angela with Angela Sells Orlando, believe she had lunch with Larry this week, www.angelasellsorlando.kw.com, and myself, John Kelly, with the Orlando Medical News. OrlandoMedicalNews.com. Larry, a final thought for our audience? Take the time to become an informed healthcare consumer. It's one of the best ways to protect your family. See you next week, Dr. Mark. Take care. You feel better now? We hope you do. Join us again next week for Healthcare Now. For a podcast of this program, go to TheAnswerOrlando.com. 
Are you concerned about health care skyrocketing expenses? Monthly premiums approaching $2,000? Out-of-pocket expenses up 50% the past 10 years? Introducing Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. Join the discussion. 7 to 8 a.m. Saturday mornings on AM 950 and FM 94.9. Co-hosted by IPN's Mark Chayette and Larry Jones and Orlando Medical News' John Kelly. 